Hey, so I'm up here uh, at Mammoth Lakes. Um, I didn't think I was going to do a video up here, but uh, I saw this thing that Jordan Peterson did um, with some company called Intelligence Squared, um, and I thought, you know what, I got to react to this thing. Mr. Reagan. It's one of the few interviews that I think was done somewhat respectfully, although I think the reason it was done respectfully is because the, uh, the interviewer was utterly terrified Jordan Peterson. <laughs> I mean, you, you well, know, the question is then, what is what, the evidence? The well, fact that someone has an opinion is, about it isn't relevant. Uh, so I found a nice spot here next to some logs, and I thought, you know what, let's, let's go ahead and talk about a little, little bit about Jordan Peterson a little bit more. So this is what I think was happening in this interview. Um, as I said before in a previous video, I think that ever since, uh, ever since the Kathy Newman fiasco, I think the British intelligentsia the British media have decided that they've got to take out Jordan Peterson, right? They're, they're going to send out all their hit, heavy hitters. They're looking to discredit him. And I think this is another one of those situations. Okay, sorry, I'm sorry about the wind and the quality of the, the camera. I, I didn't even bring my camera because I didn't expect to shoot anything. I've just turned myself around. Hopefully, hopefully I'm blocking the wind now. So right off the bat, this woman tries to Kathy Newman him, right? <laughs> she asks the same question that like... Pretty much every interviewer who doesn't like him asks the same question. And the question is, are you targeting a very specific audience? Are you targeting like white men, you know, conservative white men? And when you say your viewers and readers, are you thinking here of a specific group of people? Are these targeted on a particular group? And he always says, you know, he always has to answer it. Look, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to help people. Those are the people that seem to be finding me and agreeing with what I'm saying. You know, I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm trying to help everybody. And you can tell that his response is just so labored. He's just so sick and tired of this, of this question. I don't think that that is my focus. I think that my focus is the focus that you'd expect from a clinical psychologist and an educator, which is to help individuals, regardless of their group identity, uh, live better lives. What I'm doing is constantly being viewed as a manifestation of identity politics. And so people talk about my particular attraction for young white men. It's like, sorry, not true. There's, there's virtually no evidence for that. The audiences that come to see me are, and I hate to even categorize them in this manner because it's part of playing the same game, but very diverse ethnically and, and, and with regards to gender as well. So the problem is, is that the way that our discourse is framed right now, it's impossible to avoid being shunted into an identity politics box. And I think that that's, I think that there's nothing about that that isn't reprehensible. But he deals with it, you know, <laughs> he gives his stock answer and, you know, moves on. You so, sound, I mean, I'm really interested at the point in exploring what, you know, where you're starting from, but you sound, you sound quite angry. What, what do you feel well, angry I, I, about this? I'm, I'm sorry, what? This is kind of weird. I mean, it's like the angry white man comment. Like, again, seriously, he sounds angry? No, he doesn't. It's kind of a funny thing. I, I think it's a, it's a sort of like debate tactic, I think, to sort of, um, to sort of discredit the person that you're, that you're debating. Like, you're, you're, you're obviously emotional about this. You're obviously not being rational about this. But he's being, I mean, it's, it's very strange. You couldn't be talking to a more even-toned, even-tempered person. I don't know. But, he, you know, he deals with it. I think he tries very hard to be even-tempered all the time. So I think her saying that even made him more so. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but is what it is. I'm interested that you chose a self-help 
kind of trope here mm. with, with the book. Mm. The rules for, for life takes mm. us back to Samuel Smiles and Victorian sort of self-help manuals mm. in some right. some senses in a, a, a tradition. But you, you're someone who doesn't like to be told what to do. And you think, you know, a lot of modernity is kind of telling a bit finger wagging or telling mm. people what to do. So right. why would you accept oh, your good. rules? Would, right, you, would you accept Jordan Peterson's rules if you weren't Jordan Peterson? Oh, good, good point. Actually, I think this is a great question. This is, this is actually a really good question. Um, I think if it was asked by somebody who was a fan of his or something like that, um, it would be even more fun. But even even asked by somebody who clearly has some kind of an antagonism towards him, I think it's a, I think it's a really fun question. It's interesting. You can you can give people great advice. It doesn't mean they're going to take it. So, <laughs> I mean, Jordan Peterson might. You know, if, if he hadn't written those rules out, he might not take that advice. She's right. He is he's a little bit antagonistic toward rules and things like that. I'm not not including myself in the list of people who need improvement. I'm not talking from a pinnacle downwards to my audience. You know, I'm I'm stating a, a, a fairly blunt fact, which is that we have plenty of we have plenty of tragedy and malevolence to contend with in the confines of our life, and we need to figure out how to deal with that properly without becoming bitter and cruel and resentful. And these rules are guidelines to help people avoid those pitfalls rather than finger-wagging moral injunctions designed to make them feel guilty. And so that's why the lectures are attractive, because that that kind of top-down morality is actually absent from them. You know, I, I think he lays these rules out because they're the rules he's learned to live by, trying to direct his own path towards something that's more sustainable, happier, more satisfying. But, but also obviously based on the clinical research he's done. But yeah, he answered it really well, so nothing really to report there. I, I don't have no criticism of the question. I have no criticism of the answer. I'm just loving this interview. Find something in your life that's so worthwhile doing that the fact that you're going to suffer is justifiable. But if that something of value were, for instance, for someone to decide that they are a radical feminist or a radical uh, trans campaigner, that would be something of great value in their lives. This is actually a great question, and he obviously answers it beautifully. It's, it's, it's funny because it's a, it's a terrifying ant here. Because uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's a combative question, but it's a combative question that she asks so timidly. You know, she, she asks it so politely and so delicately because she's so terrified of being Kathy Newman for, for mischaracterizing him and treating him poorly. And, and she doesn't. She's treating him fairly. She's treating him well. She's being respectful. And she's asking a combative question, but it's a good, it's a good combative question. And I, I absolutely respect this question. And the way he answers it is, is beautiful. It's Usually generally helpful. not of great value in their life because what they're doing is abdicating their personal responsibility to live by their own truth, let's say, to adherence to an ideology. And I'm not a fan of ideologies. I think they're unbelievably dangerous. And I don't really care whether they're on the left or the right. So to be a feminist or a trans activist or to adopt that, that group-fostered view of the world, I think, is generally an, a mistake. And I don't think it does people any good. Not usually. And it also allows them to adopt, an, and this is something else that's very, very gone very wrong with our political discourse, is that it allows people to adopt an unearned um, an unearned sense of moral superiority and also of omniscient knowledge because an ideology offers you that. And there's just nothing in that that, that's helpful. I think a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of people desperately want 
desperately want to feel as if they're contributing something to the world, and that's why they become these social justice warriors. You know, they're so, so hungry for some purpose that they do this, and, and what they end up finding is that it, it, it ends up being something that's not as fulfilling as they originally imagined. I, I think that these sorts of things provide the illusion of, of doing something of value to society, of doing something important. We know that the left can go too far, and we know that the right can go too far. I mean, th th I would say that's the abject lesson of the 20th century. Both can go too far. And we kind of know when the right goes too far. We probably think the right goes too far if you had to boil it down to one thing when people start making claims of racial or ethnic superiority. That seems to be the marker. But we don't know when the left goes too far. And the left, to be frank about it, isn't very careful about differentiating itself into those who are pursuing a reasonable progressive agenda and those who have seriously gone too far. And I would say that when people push an equality of outcome agenda, they've gone too far. All right, this is a brilliant point. Um, I think the difference between the mainstream right and the mainstream left is that the mainstream right disassociates itself unequivocally with the distorted right, right, with, um, with white supremacists and that sort of thing. But on the left, on the left, they won't disavow the, the, the far left. The, the, the left doesn't disavow Antifa. They don't disavow Black Lives Matter. They don't try to distinguish themselves from the hard left radicals, from, from socialists, from communism. A lot of people in the mainstream left embrace those things, you know, and that's, that's why there is this kind of conservative enlightenment at the moment, where there's so many people that are going online and watching Jordan Peterson. That's why he's like a superstar right now. That's why this channel's kind of blowing up at the moment. It's because people recognize, it's a renaissance. Conservative enlightenment, conservative renaissance, call it what you will. This is happening because the left, exactly what he's saying, is because the mainstream left is not distinguishing themselves from the radical left. All the lines are getting blurred and it's becoming crazy. All right, so about from the 20-minute point to about the 40-minute point, uh, she gets into feminism. Now, this is clearly her issue. The psychometric work on that has already been done and done well. And, and when I... What do you mean I, by the psychometric work? Uh, you can tell that she's um, emotional. You can tell that she's passionate. And whenever Jordan Peterson... There, there's so many points in here. I'm not going to go over them all because they're just... It's just beautiful. You need to watch the interview. If you haven't seen the full interview, go watch the full interview. It's just point after point after point after point. She asks him things that most Jordan Peterson fans have heard a million times before. But to her, she's just flabbergasted. The more egalitarian the country, the bigger the differences between men and women. The bigger. I have no idea how one could possibly you rank conclude order, that. You rank you know, she, she's so... Uh, put off balance by all of this. You can see it in her face, you know, you see it in her expression. But more importantly, this is the crucial distinction. Well, well, we don't know because, I mean, I'm just looking at a piece of recent... Uh, uh, she can't, she, she's off balance, she can't, uh, she doesn't know how to respond to it. Okay. These differences but, aren't absolute. But do, so do, do you want to, So It's quite fun to watch. Um, I, I actually hope she becomes educated by this. I don't think that she will. I think she'll try to find ways of imagining that he's wrong about all these things, that he's like, you know, some kind of a bigot and dismissing him in her mind or something like that. But I, I would hope that she doesn't. I would hope that she... I hope this puts the seed of influence in her mind and then she, she comes to our side. <laughs> you know, we're all nudged throughout our life to, to certain choices. We don't have to accept the nudge. But then would you accept that women have lacked... Uh, opportunities that they they've like the nudge has not operated in the same way 
Women being nudged? Okay, if anything, okay, when I was growing up, Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson probably doesn't have a good perspective on this because he's, he's a little bit older. When I was growing up in the 80s, so I guess I'm a little bit older too, <laughs> but when I was growing up in the 80s, women weren't being nudged. They were literally being told, they were, they were being pushed aggressively into becoming career women. The idea of becoming a housewife, when I was growing up, it was considered something embarrassing, right? You, you, you were somehow doing a disservice to all women if you were a woman and you became a housewife, right? This was like an archaic idea, the idea of the housewife and no woman should do it. I mean, I grew up in Oregon, so I mean, it's a pretty liberal place. All our teachers were leftists, so, you know, that's to be expected. But this idea that women are being nudged into traditionally female roles by our society is insane. I mean, they were being heavily pushed into becoming career women when I was growing up. So I don't know what the heck she's talking about. Gosh, I mean, how can this woman even think that? She's got a career in radio. I mean, she, she's obviously a very successful person. Um, does she really believe women are being nudged into, you know, traditional, traditional roles? I don't, I don't think she really believes that. I think that's I think that's something she made up in her mind. I, there is this idea on the left that there's this whole, there's this whole like swath of, of um, ignorant people, right? That, that, that they're this sort of like sophisticated minority and that there's all these millions of idiots out there that, that aren't anything like them. Well, I'll tell you what, to all the leftists out there, you're not as smart as you think. You're not as sophisticated as you think, all right? I, I grew up with farmers and I can tell you they're as sophisticated. One of the smartest guys I knew I know, right? Is my best friend. He grew up in Hawaii, uh, but he never he never went to he never went to college. He's not like the, one of these liberal elites. He's he's like he's like one of us, right? He's like a he's like a staunch conservative, and he's just he's unbelievably sh sharp. In fact, I'm trying to encourage him to do some of these videos. But um, you know, everybody's got TV now. Everybody's got the internet, right? The rednecks are more sophisticated than you could possibly imagine. I mean, not all of them. I mean, I've I've watched some of those shows on on TLC or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're not all sophisticated, but but a lot of them are. The people that live in the country aren't as stupid as you think. Well, I'm sure that you've met women in your life that 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 acted towards you in a bullying and detestable manner. It's very difficult for women to cope with that because they don't have any real recourse. And female bullying can be unbelievably vicious. And usually, that takes the place of takes the shape of reputation destruction, innuendo, and gossip. It's well documented. It's very Indeed difficult women, to defend. But no, men do it too, but men... No, but oh, sorry, the patterns... Disproportionately women, in any of you, or not. Sorry. Yes, when, yes, disproportionately women. That's what the data indicate. Only women? It's very Indeed difficult women, to defend. But no, men do it too, but men... This is her sort of only attempt, her really only serious attempt, at trying to make the suggestion that, that Jordan Peterson is some kind of a sexist or trying to, dis, you know, trying to suggest to her audience that you shouldn't listen to this guy because, you know, he's got these inappropriate ideas about, about women. He's, there's a little bit of sexism in there. She, you know, she, she was too gun-shy to really go full board on that, but I, it's to be expected. It's a shame. She shouldn't have done it, really. I mean, it's a bit of a shame. I mean, most of this interview has been pretty respectful, um, and, I'm, and I actually think that, you know, she, she's an all right lady. I don't, I don't hate this woman. But, but she, should, uh, she shouldn't have said that. That was inappropriate. Women manifest aggression towards themselves and to others, but they don't use lethal force. They don't use physical force the same way men do. So they have to do it some other way. Why do well, they have the other to ways? do something some other way? That, you're right, because you can people take are your aggressive. War against, you know, so you're basically a Hobbesian. Life is no, war of all against half, war. Half and half. Half Hobbes, half Rousseau. That's why I'm not an ideologue. 
because I don't think that people are good or evil. I think they're both. I don't think that culture is security or tyranny. I think it's both. And I don't think that nature is benevolence or catastrophe. I think it's both. And that's why I'm not an ideologue. This is the conservative position exactly. I mean, they should, the Republicans should just take this line of, of speech and put it on their website or something. Like, this is what we believe. I'm actually doing a video about this called Why People um, Are Liberal or Why People Vote Democrat or something like that. It's all about how the left has this oversimplified view of the world, essentially that people are evil and so we need government to regulate everybody. <laughs> and Republicans take a much more nuanced approach. We don't say everybody's good. That's more of a libertarian idea. N nothing you do you know, should be regulated. Republicans take a more nuanced approach. Everybody's good. Everybody's bad. You know, some people are really bad and some people are, are mostly good. We need to make laws that don't overregulate, that give people the freedom to do mostly what they want most of the time. Why do you want to monetize? Is it about raising money to for a cause or is it about raising money for you? Why put money into it at all? Isn't this an area where well, I am the market e might be better left out? I am an evil capitalist after all and I don't really make any apologies for that. I saw Jordan Peterson get asked this once before and it's a little bit, um, it's, it's really an inappropriate question because at the end of the day, tons of people are making their living off of YouTube videos, off their Patreon accounts. Um, it's actually a more democratic way of making money than this woman working for Intelligence Squared or whatever this group, this thing is that she's working for. Because at a company, you can get preferential treatment, there's nepotism, there's all kinds of unfair advantage that you can have, right? But with like Patreon, you know, if you do a good job, people like you, you get paid. If you don't do a good job, people don't like you, they do not fund you. So for her to sit there and say, what are you doing with the money? Like, you know, it's not appropriate that you're getting paid off Patreon. Why? People give Jordan Peterson money if they want. It's, it's, I, I, the, the question is so absurd to me. Like, he's got to live. He's got a family. You know, He's doing a great service to the world. He should get paid. He should be a millionaire. He should have a yacht. Let's uh, it not, let's not ignore the, the the big American elephant in the room. D Donald Trump, you, do you see him as an expression of a lot of the attitudes, the kind of unhappiness, discontent that you no, described not, in the book, not really. or something sui generis, something different? What well, do you make of it? Is there anything wrong with with Trump or anything you think is negative? Well, there's lots of things wrong context. with Trump. You know, I mean, it doesn't Choose take one. a genius to lay them out. Well, he's rather bombastic. He seems to be somewhat on the narcissistic side. He's certainly a master at manipulating the media. And he's a very peculiar character. Quick I don't thought, think he's the on. great coming of Satan, you know. I don't think that America is any more polarized than it was in 1972. And, and the economy in the U.S. is booming at the moment. And he hasn't got us into any particularly idiotic wars yet. So I'm pretty happy about that. You know, this was a great interview. It was a lot of fun. This should be how all, you know, liberal media people interview conservatives. I mean, of course it's going to get a little contentious. Of course they're going to ask pointed questions. But be civil. Be respectful. Granted, she's only doing it because she's terrified of him. <laughs> I think if she wasn't so scared of him, she'd really give it to him. But you know what? Whatever the motivation is, I don't care. Whatever the reason is that she was able to be, you know, that diplomatic... I think she did a fine job. I thought it was a great interview. I really loved it. Well, that's it from me. If you like this video, hit the like button. If you want to see more videos like this, please subscribe. And if you hate me, 
look, it's not my fault that I'm in this beautiful place. All right, I was hired, they sent me out here, and they put me up in a nice hotel. Trust me, normally my life is not this luxurious. All right, later. The conservative so-called is the one that says, let me have more control of my own destiny. Is it morally right? And on that basis, and that basis alone, we make a decision on every issue. America is freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare.